Grace and I would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of country throughout Australia, paying our respects to elders past, present and emerging, particularly the traditional owners of this land we now call Sydney, where we are recording today, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. Thank you, Lily. That's it, isn't it? That was really beautiful. Thanks. Mix that in. That was so good. Hello, beautiful people, and welcome back to Love Clues. This week's guest is my very own boyfriend, Brandon Jack. And it's all very exciting at the moment because he just released his first book. It's called 28, and it's a memoir about his career playing football for the Sydney Swans and the identity that formed through those years. So today, he is really in the hot seat, answering questions from his girlfriend and her sister, that's Lily, of course, about his history with girls, dating, friendships, love, masculinity, and of course, me. Hi, Brandon. Welcome. Welcome to our podcast. I've done heaps of pods like this, guys. Oh, you've done heaps of pods. Yeah. Okay. You're like my fifth pod. Okay, whatever. great. Anyway, guys, let's start the podcast. Let's do it. Okay. Hello, everyone. Say hello, Brandon, so we can use it later. Hi, everyone. Sound more excited. Hi. Oh, my God. All right. Well, welcome, everybody. This is Love Clues here. I am actually sitting next to my beautiful boyfriend, Brandon, and we're about to grill him on our relationship <laughs> and his life, his dating history, his sex histories, and he's sweating, so it's going to be really awesome. I can't wait. He's not sweating. He's cool as a cucumber. I released oh, yeah. a book on my whole fucking life. <laughs> you did do <laughs> so that. There's, so you there's did. nothing I could say that's like, oh. Yeah, you literally wrote everything down in writing and were like, go play. <laughs> Have fun, psychoanalyze me, which is literally what we're here to do. So, yes, his book is called 28 by Brandon Jacques. <laughs> Brandon, my first question for you is who the hell are you? Who do you think you are? <laughs> Sorry, my hand was on the table. Grace is micromanaging me. Yeah, don't um, make it squeak, Brandon. Hi, hi, fans of Love Clues. My name's Brandon Jack. I'm, <laughs> I'm a former professional football player, an author, sometimes a musician, and I guess I'm here mainly because I'm Grace's boyfriend. And, You're the wag. You're Grace's wag. Yeah, and Lily's <laughs> confidant, you know, Lily's close friend. You're my brother. Yeah, I know. I've known Lily yeah. for longer than Grace, which is actually quite funny. Oh, my God, true. I always forget that. Lily was my barista at a cafe I used to go to every morning. <laughs> and, Lily, you were out of it that whole time. I would, like, <laughs> order my coffee and you'd be staring off into nothing. And I was like, does this girl, like, know what's going on? <laughs> I did not. I hated that job a lot. And I think I dissociated most shifts. Yeah, you were known as Bacon Egg Roll Boy. Oh, God, those were dark times. That is strange, though. But, yeah, we mainly know you as Grace's beautiful boyfriend and a relatively new but beloved addition to our family. Yeah. Well, welcome, everyone. Here we are. Well, has Grace briefed you, Brandon, on what we want to talk about? Ask me anything. He's as open as a clam that you need to pry open (laughs) with all the strength that you can muster. You know, it's love clues, it's dating, it's love. Woo! Okay, so let's talk about dating, all right? Let's talk (laughs) about 15-year-old Brandon and how you saw yourself in the dating world. Well, I was a late, I was a really late bloomer, late-ish bloomer, I think. I didn't have my first kiss till I was 16. And oh, then, me too. Yeah. That felt and then, late, yeah. And then, you know, all my other friends had been hooking up with girls and, you know, doing whatever they were doing and, and I felt like I was really behind. And then, you know, probably didn't start talking to girls properly, I guess, until I was like 18 or 19 because I was just really shy. I was an incredibly shy kid. Like I, I was a mute around people and then, you know, things changed and I entered a, a football environment where I thought I was king shit 
for a while. Um, mm. But, yeah, like didn't really talk to girls when I was younger, 15, 16. Didn't have a, a girlfriend. I wasn't in a relationship till I was 23 and didn't really want a partner though. wasn't like I, I really wanted to be that stereotype of I'm going to have one-night stands and I'm going to go out and meet girls and, and I'm going to keep a list of everyone I've slept with. And I, I really <laughs> bought into that whole idea. Brandon's um, phone notes app has seen too much. Yeah. <laughs> I go to it, and I'll, but, the, but the thing is, I was like really uncomfortable doing those things. That wasn't. That's not me. I know that's not me. Oh wait, so you started out pre-football, like we we're saying, when you were a bit younger. You started out shy. You didn't talk to girls that much, but then you wanted to embody like the player thing when you got older. Yeah, but you were still shy. I don't. Yeah, no, no, for sure. I'm like, I know that that's me as a shy person, and that. Because when I would go out as like an 18, 19 year old and started exploring like going home with girls and all that sort of thing, I would have to drink myself into a state where I could talk to them. Mm. Like I, I'm so shy that I'd be in the corner and I'd be like, well, far out, I've got to start drinking so I don't feel as anxious or, or don't worry about what I say. Mm. And then that was just me for a few years. I actually relate to that a lot. Not to the extent of you, but I was really shy in high school. I did everything behind all my friends. And then by the time I was like an adult, like 19, 20, I was like, oh no. I don't know if I felt like I had to make up for lost time, but I was like, now's my chance. But then I was still a bit awkward. I don't know. I think it was just, yeah. that was a weird phase. Like the the feeling like you're behind thing, like even like when I lost my virginity, that was like a thing I did to tick a box off, you know. I didn't, mm. the girl went to my school. We didn't talk to each other. We didn't talk to each other since. It was just like something I did because everyone else had done it. Mm-hmm. And that was like, you know, I think a lot of people do that because everyone has this idea of like, it should be a romantic first time, but most people just do it to get it off their chest almost. Yeah, I think you just get it out of the way if you're not like dating someone. I relate to that so much. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But that was like, I think I was 17 or whatever. And I was just like, let's get this over and done with. Just like rip the <laughs> bandaid off. Yeah. That's how I felt as well. Yeah. And you know what? That actually, I also wanted to go back to what you were just saying about I was talking to you the other day Brandon we about talk how yeah. we do talk sometimes about how when I was growing up the sentiment boys only want one thing reverberated <laughs> around a lot and I don't know where it came from or boys just want someone to talk to <laughs> yeah, it's a thing but, but we're oh too God. scared I know we're too scared but that I... we'll, be, we'll be judged so we pretend like we just want to fuck everything oh gosh <laughs> but I remember thinking <laughs> I feel like that doesn't do boys justice because after reading your book and another book that I read recently that's in a similar vein, it kind of displays the examples of talking to girls and forcing yourself to be physical with girls in a way that was really new to me where I was like, oh, hold on. Guys don't only want just one thing and not every guy wants to fuck everything that moves, you know, and I really think that it doesn't do guys justice to assume that you do. Yeah, I think, what were you reading? Like Blaine's Car yeah. Crash Memoir. Yeah, yeah. Beautiful book. But that's the thing. Like, there's this stereotype that exists. And for some reason, society has romanticized that stereotype massively. And, you know, I, I could write a book about, you know, going out and doing all those things and, and pretending like that's what I wanted. And people would be interested in it and be like, oh, yeah, that's cool because mm. it lives up. But it's bullshit. And at some stage, I guess I personally got to the point where I was like, I'm sick of going along with this romanticized you know, ladies' man thing, and then you just get over it, and you're like, you be honest with yourself. Yeah. Do you think that was compounded by you going through your formative years playing footy? Because obviously, like football has a rep for having that culture, like the hookup culture, but like even more so than just normal young people's lives. Yeah. Every I think you know, I've, I've 
got a sociology degree and I studied psychology for a bit as well. And something I am really aware of and, and think about a lot is this idea of modeling. And, and we model who we are on what we see and what we think we should become. You know, masculinity is, in my mind, a modeling process. You know, it doesn't surprise me that I took my masculinity from football culture because my dad was a footballer, my brothers were footballers, and that's what I was going to be. You know, you have role models and then, you know, they do it because people before them did it. And it's like at some point somebody's got to be like, oh, I don't really want to do this anymore maybe. Mm. Yeah. I would also like to ask about a beautiful moment in the book that really struck me, which I you had told me about before I read it, but there's the moment in the book where you're talking about how when you're a kid, how old were you? Nine, or, nine or ten. Yeah, nine or if ten. That's the one I'm thinking about. It is. Yeah. And you're talking about noticing this guy this other boy, like one of your other friends, and then imagining kissing him. And mm. that at the end of that chapter, you say in a subtle way that you basically just shut it down. Like you don't, you never let it live, basically. Mm. Like you never let those feelings express themselves or explore them at all. So do you now feel like there's parts of your sexuality that you haven't explored that you would like to? This is so interesting that like, I haven't been asked about that chapter of the book in an interview or anything and I'm surprised. <gasps> Brandon, I'm so surprised because yeah. it really stayed with me as well as like not even a salacious moment but like a be- no. it was so beautifully written and like, oh, my God, it's such a beautiful moment. I think that's the first moment in the book where it's like, oh, shit, like that's the first ice-breaking moment. And there's a real backstory to that chapter which, which I'll probably talk about. The chapter is, you know, I'm a 10-year-old boy playing rugby league and this is kid I play football with and he's the winger, I'm the fullback. And I just remember seeing that boy and, and I used to think, you know, I thought he was pretty and at some point I started thinking about kissing that boy. And you're a 10-year-old boy and you think those things. And this is before you've even kissed a girl, right? No, like yeah. you don't, so, you have a blank slate of like well, what had, attraction is. I'll, yeah. I'll get to that. There, there's, because that's a really interesting side point. But, you know, I thought about kissing this boy and in my own mind, I was like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, you, this is wrong. Boys don't think about kissing other boys. And this is like, what's this, 17 years ago now. So the world was not kind of where it is now. But, you know, I, I didn't, I, I grew up in a football environment where, you know, homophobic slurs were thrown around all the time. Um, things I'm not going to repeat were said and that was part of my vocabulary as well. So the idea of me looking at another boy and thinking that thing, I was like, I'm I'm wrong for this. I shouldn't be doing this. And Did that feeling, did that wrong, in quotation marks, feeling come to you in the moment or as you've gotten older yeah, and reflected on it? No, or did you no. know even as a child that you were like, oh, this doesn't feel right? In that moment, in that moment, it was like I, I remember the sensation of the kind of back of my neck. I could feel these pricks there and it was like I felt like people were watching me. Um, wow. Because we didn't talk about sexuality in my house. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't something to be explored or talked about. And this is like yeah. a lot of lot of households. And that moment has really stuck with me. And as for, you know, my sexual identity now, I'm, I'm real firm in, in who I am as a person and my sexual identity. But the thing I struggle with is the necessary, like I know for a lot of people, Defining things gives you an identity and it can affirm who you are and it gives you strength. But the thing that probably hurt me as a kid was was the need to define something, the need to be like, just because I think about kissing a boy, does that then mean I'm this or that? And mm. even as I grow older, it's like, well, where's the line for these things? Like if, if I look at other guys and feel attracted to them, does that mean I'm this? Or if, if I you know have never acted on anything or if I have acted on something, where is a line for this thing we call sexuality? And that's something I'm, you know, I'm interested in words and definitions and, and that's a, an area of it for sure. Now, the interesting side story about this chapter, as I was writing it, 
uh, it was one that I went back and forth with the editor a fair few times because I kept trying to put this line in and, and I had my first girlfriend at this time as well. So I had been talking to girls, kind of talking to girls. I was texting a girl I went to school with. We were boyfriend and girlfriend. Um, and I kept trying to insert that line into this. And looking back at it, that was my kind of fear. I wanted people to know that I was straight as I was mm. writing it. I wanted people to be like, oh, but he was also talking to girls. So, you know, it, it was fine. Um, so that yeah, line never right. made it in. And I, I think the editor might have seen like it's more raw and honest if we don't try and cover it up with this extra line. And, you know, that's a, you can call it like internalised homophobia almost and I think a lot of guys have that. Um, but, you know, that, that chapter is one that I'm, I'm really proud of and it's one that for a lot of people reading it, it feels like the first kind of gut punch moment. Yeah. Yeah, it does. It's really, it's really honest and it's shocking in its like softness because obviously there are parts of the book where it's like, whoa, oh my God, inside scoop on like what it's like to be a big time swanee and it's mm. like, oh my God. But then there's yeah. like moments like that because, you know, I can give straight white men quite a hard time, you know, <laughs> but then there's moments, there's moments like that where I just like, because, you know, Grace and I don't have brothers or anything like I have beautiful guy friends, but you do. Not yeah, I do. I really do. Shout out, but not that we don't talk about those those moments of vulnerability. So yeah, that's one of my favorite parts of the book. Mm. It's really beautiful, and it's so nice now that you talk about something like that so openly. Because I think surely kids these days have more of a sense, like we do in wider society, that things like sexuality and our identities are on spectrums. Mm -hmm. Not to minimize, because I think still, I think people's identities are important. Like if you're yeah. LGBTIQA+, like that's a really important identity because you're going to have different challenges in your life than we do as like straight passing people and straight people. Mm. But it's still, it's interesting to feel like you can reflect on that, you know, that that's not a firmness. Yeah. It's a great part of the book. Shout out to the book. Yeah, we're going to be doing lots of book Can you link it? Can you link it in the... We'll link it. Thanks. Yeah. Have you read it, Grace? No. <laughs> okay. Do you think as you get older, the way you show affection in your male friendships shows up in a certain way? And do you think that you've learnt positive things about love and affection and male friendships from football? Yeah. I think there's an interesting thing that happens when groups of guys hang out and drink together, especially footy guys. It's after a few drinks that they start hugging each other and they kiss each other on the cheek and they tell each other they love each other. And it's, it's something that's there deep down, but I think, you know, it takes a few drinks to maybe reveal or to let go of that inhibition, um, which is such an interesting thing to observe. And I, I, I have a really complicated relationship with love because I didn't really say I loved anyone. Even my, my family wasn't something we were big on. My older brother, Kieran, you know, I can count on hand, two hands how many times we've told each other we loved each other, uh, probably before recently. You know, it's this thing where you just, I, I didn't do it as a young man because I thought it was a sign of softness and fragility and weakness. And then, you know, now I'm, I'm thankfully at a point where I've got some beautiful friendships with, with people who I played football with. Lloyd, who you've met a few times, Grace. Lloyd's, mm -hmm. Lloyd Paris is such a, such a beautiful human being. And, and we, you know, we both had pretty traumatic experiences within football, but we tell each other we love each other all the time. And it was something that for a while was like ironically said, you know, I'd say it like, oh, I love mm -hmm. you, mate. And it's like a XX kind of thing. Yes. But, now, but now it feels genuine and real because maybe it's just a maturity thing. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you, you get to a point where you want the people you love to know you love them. And like those words can be really hard to say if you're not used to saying them. Mm. 
yeah, so it does take, I don't know, for, for me it just took time. It's funny because it's always like Grace and I, you know what our family's like and sometimes I feel like <laughs> I have cognitive bias thinking that, you know, affection or verbalising love comes easily to people because it, it came easily to us in our household. Yeah. But it's funny to think that that was even something that you had to work at getting better at. Inside into your family is an outsider. Like the first time I went down to meet your parents down at the coast and you guys do that thing where before dinner you all hold hands and you say something you're grateful for and it's not like religious or anything but it's just like that to me was such a strange thing the <laughs> idea the idea of holding hands with people and like seriously saying you're thankful for something and then the willingness to say you love each other at the end of each phone call or something mm. like that like I, I whenever grace calls you lil i can hear her say like she loves you and you say it back it's just like <laughs> that to me has been such a, a strange thing to experience, yeah. but it's it's so nice, you know. And I um I was kind of scared going into your family the first time as well because I didn't want because I'm because that's not natural to me. I knew I would be uncomfortable, or I didn't want people mm. to think I was uncomfortable, and I yeah. didn't want people to be like, "Oh, what's wrong with this guy?" <laughs> I don't know if I told you that. I eventually told you that. I think <laughs> you told me something along those lines. Family environments yeah. can make you know me a bit uncomfortable and that's something that I have to work through and that I am working through. I think it's so true. It's like anything, like saying I love you, showing affection. They're all examples of being vulnerable and letting people in and letting your guard down and opening yourself up and it takes practice. I really think it takes practice. Like it's- Well, it's like what Brandon was just saying about modelling. I'm even just thinking now, this is going a bit off topic, but it's like anything can be normalised to you. Like if we grew up saying, I love you, that's not a vulnerable moment to me. That's just no. like yeah. literally normal and showing. But then there are other things in life that I, that maybe let's say Brandon would be good at that I would find really challenging and I would feel like I would be very vulnerable in that moment and me that's too. just because like it wasn't. Like four on the G. No, yeah. <laughs> right? I don't know what that is, but but it just goes to show like we're all social creatures. There's no right or wrong yeah. way to be like it's literally just what you sponge up around you. Yeah, I mean, the book is amazing. Oh, something that struck me when I read it, which I kind of hadn't really realized was that one of the reasons this memoir is so amazing is because memoirs usually come from somebody at the end of their career. At the end of their trot, when they're putting the beast out to pasture, like they've had a lot of time to reflect. But you have put out this memoir of your life in the moment while it's happening in the eye of the storm. So with that being said, were there things that you learnt about yourself while you were writing the book? So I don't know what the Venn diagram overlap of Love Clues fans and sports autobiography readers is. Maybe it's big. Maybe it's small. I don't it know. Could be. I think I don't it's know. pretty small. But, I'm not lie. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's heaps of this, and and one of the main things was though I um because I don't come from a creative background. I only started exploring the arts and writing and music from the age of like 22, 23. When you left football. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I have, ma- I know everyone has it to an extent, but I have massive imposter syndrome in the creative environment. And I, mm. I feel like I have to try and prove myself twice as much as anyone else. When I would make music demos, I'd send them away straight away because I wanted to prove to my record label, like, look, I've got something that's good. And even with writing, I, I've never really felt like a writer. I've always felt like a, a fake almost. And one of the nicest things from finishing the book, you know, you still have uncertainty, but you send it away and you get quotes from other authors on it. And I remember getting, I think it was the first or second endorsement back from, from an author called Christos Sulkis, who's like one of the best authors in Australia, author of The Slap and a bunch of other books that are just brilliant. And his endorsement quote 
was the first time I'd finally felt like I was doing what I was meant to do and that I was a writer and that I was seen as someone with skill in that area. Um, but you were good at it. Yeah, yeah, and to have somebody like that say that I make, you know, I'm, I think he said like I made storytelling look easy when it's not, something along those lines. That for me was the first moment. And since then I've been, I've been feeling like this. I felt validated as a creative, as a writer. Mm. Um, and that's something I'd never had before, you know. And vindication. I, yeah, I, I finally feel like the book. And I know you shouldn't rely on things like that for vindication, but for me it was a, a nice moment. Good job. Okay, so pivoting off that, I think I DM'd you about this when you were in the middle of doing like lots of press around it. From the outside looking in, I was sort of seeing you getting like lots of editorials and like that, you know, some big mastheads telling your story. And I was like, wow, it is one of those things. And we've experienced it a tiny little bit with the podcast, but not to the extent of you where like a narrative around your project becomes this like self-fulfilling prophecy. And suddenly it's like you're Brandon Jack, the man who had a falling out with football and then has these reflections on like toxic masculinity mm. right like that's your identity mm. and for us like sometimes my mum messages me and is like Lily like be careful that you're not feeding into this self-fulfilling prophecy of being like perennially single because yeah. that's like what you reinforce every time you do the podcast I'm like oh my god so true like you have to <laughs> remember that you're not just the identity that is the story that you're telling yourself and that everyone around you is telling Hmm. So even writing the book would have taught you things about yourself, but do you feel like talking about the book and rehashing the story and the identity that lives in those pages over and over and over and over again yeah. is contributing to how you see yourself now? I, I think that, you know, you can view the you can view media interviews and, and all those things as, you know, almost a tool to, to create an identity for yourself. Do you mean because you can, like, shape the narrative if you want to? Yeah, for sure. And I, I've done... And you have your go-to lines that you can say yeah. in every interview and that becomes, like, you know, that's you. Yeah, I've, I've done enough freelance journalism and been in newsrooms kind of not for that long, but but I know the things that, that are looked for and I know the things that will become headlines and I know with stories the hooks that they look for. The clickbait. Yeah, the clickbait. But that's that's why, like, I, I'm very conscious of as well knowing, you know, if I'm asked a certain question, I know what not to say because I don't want that to end up as a headline. Mm. The media can only create a, a portrait of you, I guess, that you give them in a way as well. So you have to And do aware. you feel like you're painting the portrait that you want to see? Um, I don't really know. I don't think, I, I don't think, you know, there is much of a portrait of me yet, which I like. I don't know. I, I am wary of reading too much of that as well. You know, I tend not to read, I, I might repost the articles and read them, but I tend not to look too deeply into it, you know. You had a little peep at your GQ story. Come on. Yeah, that's because, oh, the GQ <laughs> story, the G story, that was great because I can tell when the person doing the writing, if I respect them as a writer, I'll give them my time and care about the piece. And Amy Campbell, who did that GQ piece, is a great writer. You know, I, I like people who care about their, their craft. Okay, guys, the clock's ticking. I think we need to pivot to your relationship. I want to grill you. Let's get grilled. What about just a quick rundown of your meet cute story <laughs> from Brandon's perspective? Go. Only um, like just 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 <laughs> the blurb, oh not the this. novel. Um, I love this. We met at a gig you guys were playing. This doesn't bode well for the whole like don't ask girls for their numbers at gigs or whatever because I like totally did that. I have a lot to say about um, that because of the following story. Yeah, anyway, I met you guys at a, I think you were opening for Planet. It was four years ago. Asked for Grace's number after the show. She gave it to me. We went on a date shortly after. I text my friend after that date. I text my bassist, Rich, being like, Rich, it went so well. Like, awesome. Going to see her again for sure. Then, literally half an hour later, Grace texts me. I think she was with you, Lil. I think this is you who set this up. <laughs> I get a text from Grace being like, hey, just want to let you know, like, I'm not really looking for anything right now. 
I'm not in a place for this. Um, but, you know, we can I still... I think I told her to tell you that. Yeah, we can still, like, hang out as friends. Oh. And I was like, and I'm like, yeah. Like... I had to text Rich back and be like, oh, take that back. But I was like, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't oh. devastated by that. I was like, oh, okay, You so fine. were. You were heartbroken. Yeah, you know, everyone can have, you know, people can say yes and no. Anyway, okay. and then what was the next time we crossed paths was later. We got you to open at a gig for us. Yeah, so I opened for you guys at <laughs> Oxford Arts Factory. Later. And I, I, going into that gig, thought Grace hated me. I don't know why why I had this idea. And I was oh the my one God, that what? decided to get you yeah, on the Yeah, I field. was like, because we didn't talk. We didn't like, I don't know, we just didn't talk. I think I still followed you on Instagram or whatever, but mm. we didn't really talk or anything. No. And I was like, oh, God, Grace hates me, so do I talk to her or not? <laughs> and that gig, like, we were not prepared. I, I wrote new songs like three days before that. We rehearsed for half an hour before we went on stage. Jesus like we were, we were not... With only the confidence of a white man to pull yeah. off a trick like that. Yeah, I think you booked us as the Vitriots, which was my old band, but that was we were a completely different band. I didn't band. know that you didn't exist. Yeah, we didn't exist, point. so I had to put a band together to play that show. Oh, um, anyway, I didn't think we really talked that night either. We didn't. I, and saw, then... I saw you and I said hello when you arrived and you were so awkward <laughs> that I thought I'd done something wrong. Anyway. <laughs> so I avoided you. Anyway, and then, you I know, spoke to you, Brandon. Yeah, I we spoke. Good yeah, you guys, I remember you were watching the rugby on your iPhones <laughs> and you were doing a little Oh prayer. my gosh, that was the World Cup final night or something. Anyway, and then, you know, probably like six, seven months after that, you guys released Feel. We did. And yeah. I posted it on my story and then I messaged Grace Something saying, great song. And that was it. And then we just started chatting and agreed to get coffee uh, shortly after that. And then like we didn't get, we got wine. We went to, we went to a place that we, we thought did. was a cafe, but... They weren't a cafe. They were a wine bar. It was really expensive. So we drank wine at like eleven in the morning, um, <laughs> and then we got coffee afterwards. Then we got coffee afterwards. Anyway, clincher of this story. I'm walking home from that day, being like, "Oh yeah, this first date went really well again." Again, and I get the same message that I got however many years earlier, saying, "Hey, just letting you know, I'm still not ready." And Nothing's I was like, changed. "And I was like, okay, <laughs> Jesus, what's wrong with me?" No, but I was like, "I'm like, that's cool. We can just." I said, like, we can just hang out as friends. Like, that's cool. And that's what we did for a while. We just hung out as friends. I didn't last Guys, um, I was the architect of this relationship because you know what? I told Grace to tell you to just be friends because I knew that she needed the pressure to be taken off her to feel like, because she felt like, oh, God, if I go on a date with this guy, like, because that's how I feel when I date guys. I'm like, oh, my God, it's yeah. a bit conceited. But I'm like, oh, what if he ends up liking me? Then I have to, like, call it off. Oh, God, it's too much pressure. I'm just not going to do it. But I was like, you know what, Grace? Just tell me going to hang out as friends. You know, the funny thing is, literally the next date thing we went on, which was like the following Friday, her demeanor was completely different and she was like letting her guard down, which was probably because... Really? Yeah, heck yeah. I don't remember that. She was getting saucy. Because then after that, we were yeah. walking down Oxford Street and you were like, so when are we hanging out again next? When are we hanging out next? And I was like, True. I was yeah, like, oh, I okay. Remember. That's when I kind of... That's when Brandon was like, time to ghost. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, that's just me. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. And then we just started hanging out. A fair bit from then. That was nice. And you know what? I don't even think that the taking the pressure off thing. Uh, yeah, that's definitely true. And it was definitely subconscious. I didn't realize that that's what I needed until it all worked out so well. But I think a big part of it was also not feeling trapped. I think I'm just so put off by the feeling of being being <laughs> trapped with somebody. Like you've given them too much time. <laughs> so now you have to whatever. This reminds know? me. I think we, we've never really settled on this. But I swear like three weeks into us hanging out, we were sitting on my balcony and, and Grace goes, just letting you know like. Some, this isn't going to be good. Just letting it? you know like sometimes I'll just go off the grid for three or four weeks. <laughs> And I just like, I just like want you like, 
it doesn't mean I don't like you or anything, but I just might go off the grid for three or four weeks. So. <laughs> three no. or four weeks to <laughs> recalibrate. I remember. Yeah, to recalibrate. I need to go recalibrate. And I was like, okay, sure. Brand- and I, to this day, insist I never would have said three weeks. That's literally what I'm <laughs> doing, moving to Cuba and changing maybe my like, identity. I would have said like three, three days. days max. That's such a weird thing to say to it's, someone. Uh, and I admit, even that is a strange thing to say. Well, we all do strange things when, you know, the stakes are getting <gasps> higher and higher. Yeah. No, but it you all worked guys... out pretty well, didn't it? It did work out pretty well, didn't Good it? Good job. We did it. Yeah. Well, you know, if our podcast episodes were like empirical research and like qualitative data, we'd be seeing that the slow burn really pays off with all it's the true. guests so far. Yeah. So it's, it's pretty cute for you guys. Okay, so does it make you nervous that your relationship is immortalized in content like the book and like this podcast, right? Or mm. do you think as a generation we're just used to it because we put our relationships on Instagram. What do you think? I, you know, I think about the last thing I did to the book was add the dedication at the front. The dedication was originally, (laughs) no, but uh, the dedication was originally just something else. And then I was like, oh, wait. And I just, I put your name in. It wasn't going to be dedicated to me. Well, I hadn't written it. I had an idea. Brandon, I think there's a note up there. Dirty, dirty Um, snake. It says for blurred edges and grace. And grace. So you come second behind blurred edges. (laughs) Cop that. I see what I'm saying. Blurred what even does blurred out. edges mean? Yeah, good question. How am I not more important than that's my Who the fuck is blurred student. edges and where does she live? I will go fight her. Um, no, it's it's a thing where I, I had thought about, you know, immortalizing somebody in a book, but it so felt just the right thing to do. And it felt like, you know, I'd, I'd written about your family as well and about, you know, my relationship with Grace a bit towards the end. And, you know, we've talked about this, whether or not, you know, it outlasts a relationship or not. It's just that was the moment, you know, that was... that mm-hmm. was Of the time. That's it's Every piece of art, piece of work is, is a time capsule, you know, and that was how I felt at the time and still do feel. So the idea of, you know, things changing or whatever and, and looking back and being like, oh, why did I do that? It's like, no, that's, that's just what it was at the time. I agree. Same with this podcast. We can always delete it. <laughs> <laughs> we can always edit out all Brandon's parts I'll go and we can scribble, just scribble out Grace's name in every copy of the book. Yeah, and do reprints yeah. and demand <laughs> that the county burn all <laughs> previous copies. But okay, because I've never been in a relationship, sorry if anyone didn't know that, but I only He's say it pretty much every day. <laughs> but that is the one thing I can't believe you don't wake up every day and think, oh my God, we're either going to get married or we're going to break up. Like, that's fucking crazy. Well, you can do that. I know. My... Or you could do neither. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, you just don't, you just don't try and live too far in the future. That sounds really mm-hmm. self help booky, power of now. But you don't try and you live too far I into feel the about future. Power of now. Yeah. I never finished it, full disclosure. <laughs> but yeah, no, mm-hmm. I think that's really true. You take it a day at a time and you just ride that wave and you see where it takes you. But do you even know how it feels to be a big sister and have your little sister fall in love with a grown man and I've never been in love before? Like, it's just crazy. I don't know how it feels to be like, somebody's did you, big sister. Well, okay, when Kieran, your <laughs> older brother, got married, right? Yeah. Like, fully married, were you freaking out? Were you, like... Shout out, Kieran. Like, did you feel like, oh, my and God, Charlotte. is this is our dynamic going to change? Or, like, or not as obviously you already, like, knew and loved Charlotte or whatever. Yeah, but seeing Kieran find the person that he was in love with like that was, was nice for me, though, you know? I'd, I'd seen Kieran in relationship before, and I, I lived with Kieran as well, like, when we were both adults. And to see, you know, Charlotte come into his life and, like, we never really met anyone like Charlotte before. I know Kieran, it's not who Kieran would normally hang around with growing up and I think that's great because, you know, she pushes him to be a, be more 
out there than he is and, and mm. they really complement each other in a relationship, which is great. And, you know, I was Kieran's best man at the wedding and, and stood by his side and, like, we both we both cried when Charlotte walked down the aisle and I cried. <laughs> I, I cried because This does Kieran, something to me. Oh, my yeah. heart. I cried because Kieran was crying and you see somebody you love, love somebody like that, it's like, oh, man, <laughs> like... Everyone turned around to look at Charlotte and Kieran. Like very few times in my life have I seen Kieran cry after a football grand final, which for some reason is when guys cry a lot. Okay. And and you know, and then you do you boo. And then <laughs> let it out, brother. And then at the wedding, you know, and that was a a nice moment. That's so beautiful. Cool. I'm really happy for you guys. <laughs> <laughs> I am. Lily, I'm not ever going to recommend any of my friends for you because they're all just not good enough, you know. That's, no, no, that's actually friend. really rude. That's really None rude to your friends. How would you <laughs> feel? Shout out I'm to my friends. Of, I'm one of your friends. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've lost. You know what? All my guy friends, you're all dogs. I ask you all. <laughs> I ask you all constantly. I'm like, set me up with your mates and no one ever does and it's really rude. That so actually is really rude. I have to give up. I have, I've learned through that process. You can't trust anybody, yeah. you know. You have to survive on your own. I agree. Everyone no is one, snake. Yeah, up the snakes. Okay, <laughs> who are you going for tonight in the grand final, Brandon? Oh, yeah, the AFL grand final's on tonight. I'm going for the snakes. Yeah, you guys are going for the snakes. Snakes aren't playing. <laughs> <laughs> your, lack of, your lack of sports awareness is just so refreshing. Hey, yeah, whoa, 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 whoa. Lack of AFL awareness. Sorry, lack yeah. of... Me. We're going to have to cut out this sport chat because I don't think our Clues listeners... Um... <laughs> oh, no, actually, that's something you taught me, Brandon. There's an overlap of, like, the Inner West um, music crowd and, like, the AFL scene, I think. So a big shout-out. huge shout overlap. Out. A lot of indie rock guitarists love footy for some reason, yeah, which is true. weird to me, but cool. I think we've talked about this before, but I think that music and sport have quite a similar overlap of like their cultural roles, you know? So I'm not surprised when they overlap. Yeah, they play go, sort of the same role for me in my life. I mean, you go anywhere in the world and you'll find, I think, sports, music and religion probably. I mean, those are the three yeah. big cultural tenets in my eyes. Yeah. Um, and magicians. And magicians, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Okay, quick fire, quick fire. <laughs> Brandon and Grace, what do you like about each other? What do you like about your relationship that you've built together? And what do you not like but that you're learning to live with? Go. Three things. I've got some. You go. <clears throat> well, there are things that I like about Brandon. I would hope. Just give me a couple. I don't need to sit through this. It's too painful. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. No, I'm um, kidding. It's really nice. I love it. one is that I feel like he compliments me. I give you compliments. No, and not to so be what confused. So what you like about you Brandon is that nice. he makes no, I say nice not to be confused you. with that he gives me compliments. He compliments who I am with who he is. So I feel like I can be quite animated. Okay, sorry. So what you like about Brandon is that he's a little accessory to your yeah, whole show. Little, no, little dog in a bag. No. Oh, God. Yeah. Sorry, stop. A little chihuahua in a handbag. He evens me out is what I'm saying. In a yin yang situation but not in terms of opposites just yeah he does because you're a bit much sometimes I you know it's sort of like it's sort of like don't we've, ra- we've railroaded like- this into bullying grace don't. go on say your things i'm trying to be nice don't <laughs> okay that's going on the pet peeve list um no he so i can be quite animated i can be more erratic emotionally and a little bit all over the place and i think this sounds so lame but you know how People always like, I like, okay, this person is my rock. I'm not going to use that word, even though I just did, but 
I really understand that now in terms of having somebody who is so stable and so much stability in their presence to kind of just like bring you back down to earth. That's what I feel like the impact that Brandon has on me. That's awesome. And also like he's just all in in everything that he does, like from football to music to like everything he does, he is just like in it 100% and he's so dedicated. And I feel like that comes across. Wow. In our relationship as well. Good I'm job. a rock. Thanks, Grace. <laughs> you are a boss. So Brandon's like a brick that's been thrown through the window of your life. Yeah, exactly. Um, I'll go. So I have to say things I like about you. Yeah, good wow. luck. Wow. No, well, I, don't, I think me. about this it often. Be, it, can, it can be about Lily if you want. No, but it's the same thing. It's, it's, it's complimenting in a way because it's things that I don't naturally do. Grace just kind of does things. I'll give stupid little examples because these are, it doesn't have to be mm-hmm. big, bold, romantic things, no. but if something goes wrong with Grace's car, she'll just go to a mechanic and get it fixed. If something <laughs> goes wrong with my car, I'll be like, oh, God, and I'll think about it for ages <laughs> and I'll write down going to do it and I'll Google it and I'll be like, oh, far out. And, like, I always plan things so much as Grace just does them. Mm-hmm. And even if it's, like, you know, cooking meals or something, like I'll have to research a recipe and go buy all the ingredients, but Grace will just walk into the fridge and grab whatever's there and throw it together and make something. Like you just do stuff and that's such a nice, yeah, it's kind of like a living in the moment stuff. It's not overthinking it. It's a nice trait to have. Wow, I just can't believe how well you guys know each other because, you know, it's like in a movie, it's like, oh, what do you like about this person? Oh, they're nice and they're like friendly and they're, I, I don't know, yeah. kind. Like that's so specific, you know. That is such another one as well. Like Brandon knows me so well I can be quite indecisive and I can be quite like (laughs) and it's funny now because I'll be verbalizing the same thought and patterns that I have in everyday situations or when I'm trying to decide what to do and he'll just be sitting there smiling to himself because he already knows what I'm gonna end up doing because he knows who I am so well it's crazy having someone know you in a way that's like better than you know yourself I also just like how we, like, sometimes we just sit down and, and read books and don't talk. Like, we just are in each other's presence and that's fine sometimes. Mm-hmm. I agree that it's the small moments that I love a lot. And I've said that for so long. Like, it's the tiny things of being able to sit in silence with somebody, like in comfortable silence. That seemed so crazy to me many years ago. And now that's just life. Mm. And you're just there breathing in the And corner. also, you know, pushing. I just need to poke you to make sure you're awake. <laughs> You also do push me to do things that I'm like, if left to my own devices, I would just stay inside and not see people and I'd be so content doing that. But, you know, Grace is like, let's go for a walk or let's go do something. Um, I think you're aware of... Come on, vampire. You're aware of of when I need prompting and when to, like, yeah, the line that should be prompted, which is nice, you know, and you know when not to overstep as well. You know when something's firm enough where I'm like, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to change. Yeah. (laughs) Look at you. You're so beautiful. What about things that are annoying? Things that are things that are annoying. Things that you thought were deal breakers that you are, are not deal breakers because we're still together. You don't do anything annoying. I think that's so annoying. No, there's nothing. There's there's, <laughs> there's nothing annoying that Grace does. I mean, there's Apart from my there's a weird there's character. you know that the silking thing she does. Lily, oh, have you talked about this? Don't talk about this publicly. <laughs> no, it, no, I'm explaining the world has it. to know. Grace has this thing where she has to always have like a hair tie or something in her hair. No, you do. You do. You do. In her hand. Ever since you were a tiny little kid. Like she always has a hairband in her hand and she's like rubbing it with her fingers. And I kind of only noticed it a bit after, you know. I was like, why is she always doing this? And then, Lil, you told me, like, no, she's always doing that. Look in photos. You can always see her doing it. And it's like, that's just like a. 
Why? For clues photos that we're posting, I have to tell her to take her hair tie out of her hand. Yeah. It's because she sucked her thumb for a break. That's why she has these bucky beaver big buck teeth because she sucked her thumb. <laughs> I have braces. My teeth aren't even bad before I had Before braces. that. Anyway, because she sucked her thumb till yeah. she was quite old, which yeah. is totally fine. It's a comfort thing. But I think that, you know, you have to transfer that energy somewhere. So she went from sucking her thumb to like rubbing a little hair tie. But it's and now nice. what's it going to be? Rubbing my toes in my socks or something. What? <laughs> out of sight, <laughs> out of mind. But it's nice. It's nice <laughs> learning these quirks. It's nice learning people's quirks, you know? Yeah, little idiosyncrasies. <laughs> oh, idiosyncrasies. it's so like that Brandon pays to get his washing done. So much <laughs> no, like $25 don't. out of laundromat every single week. <laughs> Are you guys, it is awesome. I can't wait for Christmas. Oh my god! I just want to. I just want to buy a little bicycle that has two a tandem bike and a little sidecar, and side I can sit sidecar all summer. That's such a good idea. Now nah, it is awesome, Brandon. Because like, imagine because you know how close Grace and I are. Imagine if Grace was dating someone that I just like straight up. I was like, I don't get you, bro. Like I. Like, what's going on? <laughs> nah, we should probably wrap up and hit the road. I guess let's hit the road, Jack. Brandon, Jack. Did you hear that? What? You said, you said hit the road and you said... And I said Jack, Brandon, Jack. Oh, God. That was awesome, <laughs> Grace. God. Yeah, I, I, I like that. No, Brandon, you know what? You're a lovely zen presence to have in our orbit. Thanks. That's what I am. That's what I do. And as you know, I, no, I'm good at gassing people up, but you already know how much I love you, so... Thanks, Lil. No, I'll do an outro. Okay. Um, there's a big, big sound <laughs> on the west side of the town. No, listen, listen. Brandon, Jack... Jack, 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 Jack of all trades. This is a slam poem <laughs> as the outro. Jack of all trades, trading his footy boots for a quill, a writer's quill, a quilt, a bed quilt, because <laughs> you know who he's in bed with? My sister. <laughs> <laughs> but it's fine because they're in love. Love, love, love. Love you, mate. Love you, mate. That's what they say on the football field. And on a date. Did you just come up with that? Oh, my God. No, thank you, Brandon, so much for coming on our podcast to talk about the very unique perspective on love and dating because you happen to be in love and dating one half of Love Clues. That's Grace. You are a very inspirational young man. (laughs) It's true. You've already had a beautiful career and you have a bright future ahead of you. I appreciate that. Brandon, just know I'll always be here for you. Thanks, Lil. Me too. Thanks, Grace. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>